For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, Dallas's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Dallas and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Again, like and subscribe if you enjoy the podcast, or if you don't enjoy the podcast, just like and subscribe. I don't care. Listen to it against your will if you have to, just so we can grow this thing. Really excited about our guest today, RJ Ochoa, SB Nation. We kind of recap everything that's gone on in Cowboys free agency. Get his opinions on it. He's got great thoughts on Greg Zerline and the trickle-down effect of Michael Brockers. We'll get into that in just a second. Again, hope everybody's doing well here on social distancing or quarantine or self-isolation, whatever you've chosen to do, whatever you have to do. I hope we bring some enjoyment into your day. And right now, here's our conversation with RJ Ochoa. RJ Ochoa, SB Nation, joins us now here on the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. And RJ, it's been a wild couple of weeks, free agency-wise, for the Cowboys, because usually they're dead. I mean, they, they'll they wait for the first wave to go. And then, you know, last year was kind of exciting in that you know, they had Randall Cobb and, you know, they, they, and Robert Quinn was a trade later on. So they brought in some names, but the last you know, decade or so, for the most part, free agency is a very dull time for the Cowboys. It's let guys walk that you don't want anymore and move on. Your thoughts on them being aggressive through free agency for the first time in a long time? Well, I um, I think not to start out, you know, on a, on a bad note, I don't know that I would classify it as aggressive. Um, I think that they got a little lucky. Um, you know, it's like, uh, like, have you ever gone Black Friday shopping, like, at 5 p.m.? You know what I mean? When, like, you think, like, everything's going to be gone, but you show up and it's still, like, a really great deal. I kind of felt like that was how they approached this. I think they had a very specific thing they were shopping for, a very specific uh, list of things, I should say. And I think they came away with it. And I think that they were really wise in addressing um, sort of their obvious needs and so that they're not pigeonholed entering the draft. I I do think that it's impressive that they were able to reel in what appear to be these big names and these big personalities. And I think that that says a lot about, you know, they're willing to, um, you know, they're willing to spend a little. And and whether it's um, spending financially or spending in in terms of time and energy and resources, the fact that they're willing to do so, that's the most promising thing um, I think I've seen from them so far this offseason. I think it's interesting that you see kind of the cause and effect of things and, I, I can't wait to talk about Greg Zerline. You had a great point about him. I saw that you made about how Michael Brockers completely changed the Cowboys getting Greg the leg. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Mike Nolan is the new defensive coordinator. The defense is, I would say, 75% of the reason why the Cowboys were not in the playoffs last year. And so Mike Nolan's now running the defense under Mike McCarthy. 
He's comes from more of a three, four scheme. They're not going to do that obviously because they don't have the personnel, but they need beef on the, on the defensive line. So Gerald McCoy and then super beef on Don Terry Poe brought in to help Demarcus Lawrence and Tyrone Crawford and Dorrance Armstrong and whoever else, maybe Randy Gregory, who winds up on that other end because the secondary was not going to be a quick fix, but the defensive line guys were out there, weren't they? They were, um, you know, obviously Demarcus Lawrence is sort of the, the main focus for the Cowboys along the defensive line. And uh, definitely interesting that the Cowboys felt so comfortable letting Malik Collins walk. And I think interesting that they've kind of been, you know, whatever on Antoine Woods, but uh, you know, Tristan Hill is, I don't want to say a mistake that they've made in recent memory, but it, it's certainly trending in that direction, at least uh, after his rookie season. And so the, the fact that the Cowboys, I think, were able to add Joe McCoy alone is a huge sort of, um, if anybody's like struggling to sleep at night over the state of the Cowboys roster, I think that that, you know, that bought you those extra, you know, 30 minutes that you were, you know, kind of tossing and turning. But to add Don Terry Poe, um, I think, you know, I, I think that it's weird because I, I used to always get so excited for interior defensive linemen because I was so pumped to see what Rod Marinelli could do with them. And now, you know, it's like it's like the Cowboys used to go by. I've been watching a lot of cooking shows uh, with my wife um, in, in the quarantine. And so, like, you know how sometimes, like, they'll, they'll go get, like, weird food that you've never heard of before, mm. but you trust the chef to make something, like, really delicious? That's how I always felt about Rod Marinelli. But I always felt like, just go get, like, a, like a piece of prime rib, you know? Like, just go get, like, something incredible. And it feels like the Cowboys finally said, you know what? We went and got this, like, dry-aged, you know, big lab of, you know, ribs or whatever. And we're going to, like, you know, we're not going to spend any time on projects here anymore, which I think is exciting. I mean, there are definitely defensive tackles in the NFL that I would prefer over Gerald McCoy or John Terry Poe. But the fact that the Cowboys have changed their mindset at that position after so long of operating one way, that's a really optimistic thing. And I think an impact that Mike McCarthy's having. I mean, you know, he wants to be Jay Raji, and I think he's trying to go get one. Well, and look, the Cowboys roster is is pretty set on offense. I mean, Travis Frederick's retirement notwithstanding, they know what they're going to be on offense, save from who the third wide receiver is going to be at, at this exact moment. But they know who they're going to be, and they don't have an identity on defense right now. And so you can't keep wasting time with these young players because you don't know when the clock really starts on them. I mean, technically it starts on you the minute you start playing, but when you're, when the expiration starts going, you know, you never know. So they've got to capitalize. So yeah, go out and get some big name free agents or bigger name free agents, guys that have some skins on the wall like Poe and like McCoy to help you out on defense that is going to need to get a push up front because the secondary is a huge question mark. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about how Clinton Dix. I, I know it's his one year deal. I feel the same way about him as I do about most everybody, you know, on a one-year deal. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, to your point about, like, when the clock starts or whatever, like, I mean, the clock also, like, you you hit the 11th hour so quickly. I mean, you know, talking about the secondary, it's it's all of a sudden, you know, the contract year for Jordan Lewis, Chidibay-Wuze, and Xavier Wood. So you're potentially another offseason away from having to redo your entire secondary, which it feels like that group kind of just got together. And so to me, I think HaHa is not a bridge, but HaHa is, is 
a placeholder, right? I mean, you know, there's a number of directions the Cowboys can go with the 17th overall pick, and maybe, you know, you or whoever thinks it should be Clint Elton or Xavier McKinney or Antoine Winfield Jr. And if it's going to be Xavier McKinney or whoever, then, okay, you figure out the ha-ha Clinton Dix thing. Maybe he doesn't even make the roster. And other people who are, you know, are certainly of that opinion. But I, I think that that's, that's, to me, what ha-ha represents. Uh, maybe not the, the safety version of Gerald McCoy, but at least the safety version of Don Terry Poe. He provides you death should you choose to go a different direction. I mean, is it ideal that Haha Clendon should be your starting safety in 2020? I, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it's a, it's, it's a much better option. You're raising your floor um, in different places because the reality is you only have one first round pick. So you can only spend that in one place. And so wherever you don't, you need to be prepped and, and ready for what's to come. And I think Haha kind of offers that back end. Yeah, I mean, it, he'll he'll be fine. I mean, I think he'll play and he'll probably start, you know, and that's what he'll be for a year. And maybe maybe he plays his way into, into another couple-year deal. Maybe, maybe that happens. I, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I don't uh, – I don't get excited about one year. Like I saw, like when they signed him. Oh my God, this guy's got way more interceptions than anybody of the Cowboys have. Yeah, that's not a big mountain to climb, though. Yeah, um, and I think that's what's going to be the most fun thing to watch. And I say fun, uh, like from a chaos standpoint, uh, rooting or not rooting, but I guess you know certainly rooting for Byron Jones. But watching Byron Jones, um, if if Byron Jones has like five interceptions this year, the world will melt down. And I think, you know, you look at what Brandon Carr did once he left the Cowboys. You look at, you know, the way that, you know, other people have done when they've left the Cowboys. The way Terrence Newman even played after he left the Cowboys. And it's, I think it's clear, and I think data overwhelmingly suggests that it's a Cowboys issue. It's a scheme issue. It's the way they're coached uh, to not necessarily, whether you want to call it attack the ball or be aggressive or whatever football cliche you want to use. But it is, it is clearly something specific to them because players have success elsewhere. Maybe that will change without Chris Richard, and that kind of stems further beyond him, but it kind of predates his time. But maybe, you know, overall, I mean, maybe Al Harris is somebody that can kind of change things up a little bit for them. But I, I do think that, um, you know, the interception number is, I agree with you, it doesn't say a lot. In fact, it says more about, um, you know, the way the Cowboys are coached, but in a way that's kind of the most damning thing that it could possibly yeah, I I think that um, I think when you look at the interceptions, you, you made a great point about how it's 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 just it's part of their fundamentals was not to go get the ball like they were not trying to to do that like everybody else was, and they've got a, a an offense now that was set up to where it can score quick if you get them the ball on the other side of the field, and it's set up for long drives, but there's only so many long drives you have in a game. So if all of your drives are starting at the 22 yard line on the other side of the field, that's going to make your offense way lower percentage. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're right. You can, you know, last year to that point, the Cowboys had, you know, what, you know, football outsiders, PGOA being the most efficient offense in the NFL. And even, even if you could, you know, sustain, you know, something, some sort of ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, conversion, whatever you want to call it, uh, starting, you know, on your side of the field. I mean, why would you want it? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 you know, shortening the field, flipping the field, all of those things 
you know, equal points, especially for what is literally the most efficient offense in the NFL. And I think, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously the defense is a problem for the Cowboys last season, certainly in stretches. And I think, you know, if those are swings. I mean, if you can swing a game 14 points or whatever, I mean, that, that makes a difference. And it's those, you know, those, there's like six plays throughout the entire year that can be swings that can turn you into, you know, a team that goes 12 and four versus an eight and eight. Yeah. All right. So let's get to special teams, which was to me, I mean, obviously in an NFL in a close, a close league where even you're, you're going to have to win some games over teams that are three and 13 by a last second field goal. You know, the, the Brett Maher experiment didn't work. Kai Forbath came in and steadied it a little bit, but it was, they'd already lost games because of their special teams. And, you know, he was fine and they, they brought him back on a one-year deal, but he's not going to be there long because they signed Greg Zerline Take our listeners through the cause and effect of Michael Brocker's deal with the Ravens falling apart and how that meant Greg Zerline followed his special teams coach, Bones Fossil, to the Cowboys. So this is the way it made sense to me, and I admittedly have not done a puzzle at home uh, these days. I know a lot of people have, uh, but it was kind of like a puzzle to me. Um, so we know that John Fossil is the special teams coach for the Cowboys, and we know that he has a long-standing history with Greg Zerline that dates all the way back to even the St. Louis Rams. And so to me, based on sort of the series of events, it seems as if the Los Angeles Rams were going to lose defensive lineman Michael Brockers to the Baltimore Ravens. And the Rams figured, man, this sucks. And I think in parallel with that, John Fossil and the Cowboys looked at Greg Zerline, obviously the Cowboys kicker situation, and said, man, Greg, guess what, dude? It would be awesome if you came and joined me. You know, you we've got a uh, history, we've got a rapport, we've got our, our cute little language. Just come join us and come kick for the Cowboys. And, you know, we'll get Greg the leg shirts and every Cowboys pro shop across the state and in New Mexico, and we'll have a good time. And then I imagine that the Rams, because they were going to lose Michael Brockers, had some, you know, financial flexibility and said, you know what, you know, Greg, we don't want to lose you. We're prepared to offer you X. And Greg said, okay, well, you know, like all together, uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and end up staying here because the money's good. I don't have to move. Moving is like the worst thing that humans can experience. Uh, and so I don't want to have to do that. That would be difficult. And, you know, maybe he's one of those weirdos who prefers in and out to Whataburger. Um, but then the Michael Brockers deal with Baltimore fell through, uh, you know, I think partly due to the climate that we currently live in. And I think the Rams said, oh, man, Michael Brockers is still out there. We were going to break up, uh, but guess what? Uh, we're going to stay together. And, Greg, that financial flexibility that we thought that we had, we don't have it anymore. So you are our sacrifice. Happy trail. We're going to sweet and spicy bacon burger uh, in the great state of Texas. And so I think the Cowboys, when they, you know, quote, unquote, lost out to Greg Zerline, just decided to settle for Kai Forbes. Just said, you know what, you know, um, you're a sitcom fan, Paul. I think you've seen the episode of How I Met Your Mother with Carrie Underwood. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, she, keep, she keeps Ted on her hook in the episode. And he's kind of like her backup. Like anytime she needs a date, she calls up Ted. And I think that's what Kai Forbath was for the Cowboys. They didn't get the date they wanted. So they said, you know what, Kai? Uh, yeah, whatever, we'll figure it out, man. But just come back. And so Kai came back. And then Greg was available. And I think that the Brett Maher experience last year, even though it's an entirely different coaching staff, because the Cowboys kind of rested on their laurels and said, whatever, we'll just go back at it with Brett, and that that blew up so badly in their face, I think they realized, you know what, Kai is an interesting option, but our initial preference is suddenly available. Who cares? Let's go get him, and we'll figure it out. 
Uh, we'll get the guy we want and maybe we'll be surprised. But altogether, I think that it sort of shows a change in the philosophy, a change in approach from the Cowboys, which I think is a good thing. Um, and shout out to Michael Brockler for making that happen. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about Brett Maher and the analogy that comes to my mind is he is kind of like one of those hitters like Adam Dunn or Rob Deere to go way back. That's probably before your time. Or, you know, one of those guys who the ball's going 475 feet or he's not getting close. That was Brett Maher. Right. It's 60 yards or he's going to miss it. Like, if it's 60, great. No. You know, like, I, I I bet you there were times where even Jason Garrett thought, like, eh, well, I mean, it's fourth and 18 from the from the 47-yard line. Hell, let's send him out there. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> let's just go. It, you I, know, I think that that's an interesting thought, though, Um our, our friend Ari Temkin once told me that he thought that Dan Bailey was the worst thing that ever happened to Jason because Dan Bailey's incredible accuracy sort of created a conservative approach for Jason Garrett, right? Like this, this approach, you know, if it's a 40 to, you know, 50 yard field goal, like why would I risk anything? You know, I, I have a guaranteed three point. And I, I sort of, you know, buy that uh, theory. And I think in a different way, in a more gambler's way, Brent Maher created that. Like Brett Maher created this this excuse. This, I don't I don't need to go for that fourth and six because Brett Maher is capable of hitting a fifty five yard field goal. Let's try that. That makes more sense. We can achieve points that way. So I do think that those were you know ultimately part of his downfalls as Cowboys head coach. Yeah, and Greg Zerline's been you know really I can't think of a, a better kicker when it comes to you know long distance plus consistency uh, over his career than Greg Zerline. I mean he's he's been fantastic. So this this is a big. Maybe, to me, and I, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, this might be the biggest Cowboys signing of the offseason. I think it is in the sense of, if I am to be, if I'm correct, right, in, in my theory, I think it is because it proves that that, there, that that philosophy, that disposition has changed. That there is no longer this sense of settlement. There's no longer this, well, we've got Kai Forbath, we'll be fine whatever, that the, the, the overall sort of outlook on things has changed to the point of who cares what we have to do? Let's make sure we are absolutely correct. And I think if that truly is the case, and that says a lot about the way the team is operating overall. Oh, yeah. And look, I, I knew that something was probably going to happen at kicker when Jerry Jones week after week is going on the air going, we, we got to do something about the kicker. I mean, he kept saying, you know, that's not, we're not, we, I mean, you know, and he, he was basically trying to tell people, look, these guys don't grow on trees, but as soon as one does, we're picking that damn tree. I think that was kind of what he was saying, but they were kind of in it with Brett Maher for the weeks that they were. Yeah, I mean, and it's I think it's easy to fall in love with a kicker like that. I mean, and, and he had a little run. I mean, you know what I mean? It was intoxicating, I think, um, in, in a lot of ways, and um, it's, you know, it's kind of like when you're in college. Like, I had a phase in college where I really – I thought Dos Equis Amber was, like, the greatest thing in the world. And it was stupid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, well, I don't know why like, I, I thought that. But, like – George Killian's Irish that, Red for like, me. Yeah. Oh, dude, but that is – that's still really good. Uh, yeah. But, um, but – or, like, um, there's – like, Lining Kugel has a sunset week that, that – mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. it, this was, like, a big thing, and, and it tastes like Fruity Pebbles. And so that would be, like, the thing. Like, everybody would be like, oh, my gosh, this, this is Fruity Pebbles here or whatever. And it's like, that is cool every once in a while, but like, that's not sustainable all the time. Uh, so that's kind of what I think that motto was. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I've got a couple more things I want to get to you uh, with it. And I'm going to, we're going to go through your, 
your quarantine playlist. I want to know. I want to know what you've you've you dive into since you're you're stuck at you know you can't even go out and do do anything. I know you work at home, but still, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other things that you could be doing with your life that now you can't. Uh, that we're all dealing with now. But the retirement of Travis Frederick, the Cowboys. This is one of those rare things that they were ready for a year ago because they had no idea what they were going to get from Travis Frederick in 2019. They had no idea him coming back and being able to play the whole season. So they were ready for it. Not only were they ready for him maybe not to be able to play, but I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that they were totally ready for him to play and then go, all right, that's all I've got. You know, like I just I want to move on to the next thing in my life. They seem to be ready for this, even though, look, Connor McGovern, Connor Williams, Joe Looney, it's a step down no matter what, but they're ready for it. It's not like they're going to go like they were with Jason Witten, where it just completely caught them off guard. Certainly. I mean, uh, obviously, it's a very unique situation in that, um, you know, they're, they've already practiced life without him uh, and done so fairly recently. And so um, kind of been in a position uh, where they, um, you know, they're allowed to kind of, you know, pre-prepare uh, in a weird way, kind of like an alternative. It's kind of like um, I don't mean to just like bring up a billion analogies, but like kind of like in a movie where somebody like gets to see like what their life could have been like if they made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they got to kind of see that and, and, and prepare for that. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it's, it's certainly surprising. And I, I think, you know, more people across the NFL uh, obviously retiring at an earlier age. And I certainly believe that, uh, you know, Travis has dealt with a, a more serious, you know, uh, health issue than, than most people, I think. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world at the present moment. But, I mean, you know, good for Travis. And, I mean, did it the right way, gave him the community. Um, there, there's a lot to admire about his career. But you're right. I mean, I don't I, – I haven't decided how I feel, honestly. If I, if I believe the Cowboys saw the writing on the wall with Travis when they drafted Connor McGovern, they obviously, I think it's, it's clear, knew that this was coming when they re-signed Adam Redman and Joe Looney. But they are prepared. I mean, you know, people were talking about this offseason. Maybe this is a year they trade one of these offensive linemen. And so, obviously, I don't think that's a, a possibility now. But they had that depth. And you're right, it's not the same quality. But the fact that it's available is more than most teams in the NFL have. I thought Connor McGovern was twofold. One, you know, there was a good chance, at least in everybody's minds before training camp last year, that, Ty- that not Tyron Smith, that Lyle Collins was going to walk after this year. Like, how can you spend this much money on the offensive line? And so... Well, if you kick Connor Williams out to right tackle, then you can have a guy who's a guard if that happens. And if Travis Fredericks doesn't give you anything, then you've got a guy who can also play center. So that's where he came into me. I, we still don't know what they're going to do, really. I mean, you know, they, they could move Connor Williams there and McGovern could play guard if he's better suited there. Or, you know, they could they could sign somebody like Ron Leary and bring him back and, you know, have a, a, a competition at, at center. I, you know, who knows? what what that's going to be at center. We just know it's not going to be as good as Travis Frederick, who, you know, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he's got a pretty dang good resume. I think the reality is that he's probably not a Hall of Famer. I think he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Um, you know, I think had the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, you know, in the last seven years, I think there's a possibility that, you know, maybe, you know, Travis would have been ultimately, but, and, and I mean, this people have loved to have this conversation. It's the Hall of Fame. And I mean, this with the ultimate respect to Travis Frederick. It's, it's not the Hall of very good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Travis is, is kind of on that line. And, and I think there are certainly greater centers in NFL history. I mean, it's, 
it's an incredible career and incredible life she's lived. And I, I certainly hope you find happiness and prosperity in what comes next. But I just, you know, it's, for, for my money's worth, I don't think he ends up in kitchen. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because he didn't have a whole like his he was in my estimation where the debate's gonna come in is he was one of the three top players at his position in his era, so that's the argument you make for him. But was his era long enough? Did he do it for for long enough? And what were the results of that? So that's where it probably would if it does hit the wall, that's where it probably hits the wall. Certainly, I do think he's one of the more significant. Um, for lack of a better word, characters in the story of the Dallas Cowboys, certainly I think uh, like this century's worth of Cowboys. I mean, you know, he was a big part and, and played a big part in the transition from one era to the other. And I think that that's, I mean, you know, the, the team didn't skip a beat moving from one, you know, great quarterback to another. And he was, you know, directly part of that. And I think that says a lot about him. He was part of the, you know, regime that sort of inherited Dak and Zeke and, and then Amari Cooper and said goodbye to Des Bryant. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he was he was there for a lot of interesting things. He was there for almost all of the Jason Garrett era. Uh, so you know, he'll be uh, he'll be remembered fondly. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a case for a Ring of Honor. Like it'd be cool to see the three going together, him with Zach and Tyron. But other than that, I mean, um, I think that's about it. Yeah. All right. So it's you know the Black Plague, whatever you want to call it that we're going through right now. I mean, this is, this is our, this is, this is our generation's, you know, big era of sacrifice. You know, like our grandparents fought in world war two and factories repurposed like that, like a lot of you know things are right now. You heard the, my pillow guy, you know, get up there yesterday and talk about what he's doing. Uh, you know, the Bauer hockey mask or, or making ventilator mask and, and, and things, you know, for hospital workers and stuff like that. So our world's changing. And this is where we're the worst generation because we're all pissed off because the worst thing that we have to do is sit home and watch television as while they were like just terrible things were going on in the world then. And we're all mad about it. So it puts it in perspective to me that, look, we should just try to enjoy this time as much as we can, as much as it sucks, because it could be way, way worse than, than this. So my thing has been like, look, I'm going to watch a bunch of stuff or read things that I haven't gotten to do, I'm just going to do that. So I'm curious when I talk to people what you've jumped into that maybe you weren't watching or reading or doing before while you've been at home during this time. So what's been your either go back and watch something or what's been your something new? Uh, well, so I am not – it's not that I'm, like, opposed, but I am not a Tiger King person. I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, good. I don't know if I'll it's, get to it's it. It's good. Just, I'll tell you, it's good. <laughs> Uh, I said, and actually, if anyone listening, for everyone listening, obviously, uh, Paul is, an, it's like, there are people that, you know, you go to in life, uh, like when you have certain questions about something, like if I was looking for a show to watch, I would go to Paul. Thank you. So, uh, you can trust Paul's face, uh, when it comes, like, and every, literally everything Paul's ever told me to watch has been fantastic. So, yeah. uh, maybe this is a push I need with Tiger King. So it's good. It's very interesting. I'll just tell you, RJ, it's very interesting. It's out there. And like, there is... There's a level of scandalous reality TV to it. Not reality, but like just scandal TV to it. But it's okay. really like the subject matter is so interesting that you'll just kind of forge past that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's helpful. Um, on the subject of reality TV, I'll say that I'm a big Survivor fan. I know mm -hmm. we've talked about that before. So 
Um, they are currently in the middle of their 40th season, and it is a season of all winners, uh, which is very interesting. So uh, I've really been enjoying that. And obviously, you know, uh, you've gone a little bit deeper, I think, and like listening to some podcasts that kind of break it down and stuff that I normally don't have the time for. So that's been interesting. Um, but the thing that I've, I've given the most attention to has probably been um, I'm a big golf fan, big golfer. Um, you know, I talk about golf a lot and, uh, there's a golf, uh, you know, lifestyle golf blog called no laying up. Uh, and they have kind of a travel series that they've put together where they've gone to different parts of the world and played different courses and they document the whole thing and kind of put together an awesome little show on YouTube called tourist sauce. And so I've kind of been rewatching and watching some new seasons of that. Um, the wife and I have also, uh, made it through some, some movies that we had on our list. Um, that's what we've done together. The tourist sauce thing, uh, shockingly, she has not wanted to watch with me. But uh, we watched so far uh, Little Women uh, was the first thing, which was more interesting to us because uh, we went to the Cowboys game in New England last year and we toured the house that they lived in. Yeah. So it was very interesting. Um, so Little Women we watched. Uh, finally got a chance to watch 1917. It was excellent. Uh, I also finally watched Ford versus Ferrari. That was great. It was really good, yeah. And um, I really, really enjoyed it. And so, oh, and we finished, I talked about cooking shows. We finished uh, The Chef Show with John Tapper. That's great. That's one of of mine. I actually have a rule on The Chef Show that I have to, if I watch it, I can only watch one a day. Because if I watch more than one, I'm going to go ahead and make something on there that's not good for me. That's fair. What's your favorite episode, like, Uh, that they've made? Um... I I liked I liked when they were in Austin like the ones over there in Austin like the the Robert Rodriguez one was fascinating to me because that guy's so ridiculously eccentric as a director anyway and then here's a guy who like he's one of these guys who as a director like hey I'm gonna make a movie about this so I'm gonna learn how to do it so I can write this script and so he knows how to do all these things he's somewhat pretentious but you know they're making pizzas at you know, because he built a pizza oven in his house. I thought that was fascinating. And of course, anytime anybody goes to Franklin Barbecue, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Right. I'm there. Like I, I love that place. It's great. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love that John Favreau. He's another one of those guys. Like he just takes in all this information. Like whatever he does, because I'm Probably. a huge fan of his. He just, I'm gonna take in all this information and I'm gonna put it out in the world artistically. So that that's that's he's yeah. so good, and he's also not one of these pretentious dudes. That's like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, dude, he's done Star Wars and Disney movies and Marvel movies and independent movies and all oh, that's a chef. The movie that you know that show is awful. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. I love it. So yeah, John Favreau does something. I'm totally in it. I'm totally in for it. I agree with that. Um, I I love on the show how you're right. He is the ultimate student. Um, he's the ultimate pupil, and he's he's clearly very humble, uh, which is great to enjoy. What I like, um, I certainly enjoy the more technical things that they cook, and Chef Roy is, is fantastic. But I also like when he weaves in just incredible guests. I think it was in the first season, uh, but it's an episode worth rewatching when they have Tom Holland on and oh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just really cool that like these dudes are talking and eating together. I mean, it's, it's just it's a cool thing to watch. The last thing I'll recommend. Uh, that I finally got a chance to hit on the subject of Marvel. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, before I got into this business, I really, you know, I was a, an engineer uh, at Texas A&M, and I really, really, really wanted to be an Imagineer at Disney World. That was sort of what I wanted to do with my life, uh, and that did not happen. Uh, 
Um, so you can you can call that a, a plus or a hey, loss for that, me. Never say life, never, but, RJ. <laughs> uh, but there's a documentary about the Imagineers, which is kind of like Disney World uh, engineers that, oh, that watch think that. of basically everything. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, it is so fat. I'm I'm I would watch any documentary on Disney World. It is fascinating. So I highly recommend. That. Yeah. Well, RJ, always great to talk to you, buddy. I hope that we get to see each other soon. Uh, it's been since football season, right? That we I mean we haven't seen each other. And uh, now we're not even like, we have this we have this weird time where you can't be at your office but you can't be at anyone else's either. Like you can't Hey, you don't have to be in your office. Oh, can I go somewhere? No. Just be in your house in the area directly around your house. So, yeah, uh, these are, you know, like I also feel like everybody's like using Zoom. I use Zoom all the time. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, you know, I got here first. Uh, <laughs> so don't, you know, encroach on my territory. But uh, but you're right. Hopefully we're able to see each other soon. Uh, it's always great hanging out with you, Paul. Um, hope all is well with you. And uh, let me know how you like the Imagineers documentary. I will. I will. That's RJ Ochoa, SB Nation, with us here on the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. And that was RJ Ochoa, SB Nation. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. Buddy of mine from San Antonio really does some great work. We sit next to each other covering all the Cowboys games. Really, really does some in-depth dives, and he'll be a frequent guest on the program because he's fantastic. Hope your day, your week, your month is going well. Once again, stay safe, self-isolate, do what you have to do. Find all those things to binge or read or games to play that you've always wanted to do. Let's use this time for good, all right? Let's make sure we make the best of a really weird situation. Get healthy and get back to normal. God bless everybody out there who listens to this show. I hope you and your families are doing well. And again, feel free to tweet me or DM me at Paul Catalina on Twitter, at Paul Catalina 56 on Instagram. That's going to do it for us. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.